Uh, welcome to Element. If you are new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon half sheets on all the communion tables throughout the room. If you have a smartphone, you download an app. It's called Version. Click on Live. It'll bring us up by GPS. You'll get the verses as well as the questions there as well. Happy Father's Day. All right, so we have something special for you dads. If you're a father, raise your hand. And because we forgot about all of you moms on Mother's, Mother's Day. Keep your hand up. I forgot about all your moms on Mother's Day. Raise your hand if you're a mom. We got something for you too. So you guys are going to come up and start handing things out to you real quick. Keep your hand up. Holy cow, what are you, like three? Oh, it's the biggest workout I got all week. My fingers are going numb. My goodness, people. Give him a choice. We actually have a choice. No, that just goes to him. That just goes to you. Girls, get candy. Oh, and you can actually choose. We have different flavors. I know he's just handing them out to you. No, no, no. You get to choose. You can trade that off. I know he's just running a hand it out. If you want M&Ms from him, raise your hand. But there's other type of candy coming around, too. If you're a dad, keep your hand up. Dads get root beer. Because it has the word beer in it. It makes you feel manly. And it is cold. Yes, it is. It's a twist off. This morning, we got guys over here in first service going with their, with their like, opener. Oh, I'm like, it's a twist off. Maybe fathers don't know how to twist it off anymore, but you know it's. You're welcome. <laughs> Figured after we yelled at you on Mother's Day, we better make nice on Father's Day. <laughs> okay. If you are new, welcome. There's in the seat bag in front of you. There's a connect card. Fill that out. Take it out to the welcome center in the back. Let them get to know you. You're not listening to the word I'm saying. That's okay. I'm good with that. At Element, we do a bi-monthly magazine. It's called the Element Dispatch. Our newest issue is out. If you have a smartphone or, a, or an iPad or something, you can actually, in the live, click on that, and, and you can download the newest version of the Dispatch. There will be some printed copies next week you can look at. But this issue, uh, we go to Thailand, where we support a place called the Tamar Center in Thailand, and we help women get out of prostitution there. And so it's the whole sex trade issue. Uh, if you are going to send cards to anybody in the next little bit or you journal at all, there's some cards and journals in the back. They're for sale. They're made by the ladies at the Tamar Center and all the money goes to them to help fund and help them get out of prostitution. That's why they make these cards and these journals. So if you want to buy some of those, those are also in the back as well. Also in the dispatch, Jonathan Whitaker, one of our elders, has wrote an excellent article. It goes greatly with Father's Day today. Uh, on Friday night at 7.30, there's a E-Kids skate night at the roller skating rink. You don't need to sign up. You just show up at the roller skating rink. Everybody know where it is, by the way? It's at the fairgrounds. It's like the, oh yeah, okay. It's at the fairgrounds. Like if you go to the fair, it's over there. It's like the big round kind of, you'll see signs when you get there. 7.30, Friday, whatever. All right. Uh, our next gospel class is starting a week from Wednesday. The gospel class covers what we as Element believe, especially in theology. So if you want to become a member someday, want to know more about who we are, you should come to that. If you had any questions from last week from the message, you can also come and ask me those at the gospel class. It's an eight-week class. covers lots of different things. If you need child care for that, please sign up so we know how many workers we need to watch kids during that. Now, 
after last week's message, if you were here, if you came back, yay, good for you. All right, that's, that's a good thing. A uh, lot of lively debate. A lot of our gospel communities have some good lively debate. Had a friend of mine said a friend of his after last week. He goes, he didn't watch TV for four days. Good for him, right? For four days because he just kept thinking about this and running it through his head. And I'm like, exactly. Where else can you go where even if you don't agree with this, I mean, you're going to be thinking about it and have to figure out what you believe and work. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to have. It's a good conversations to have. Now, uh, one thing that I do want to hit is we have one of the questions that came up, I think I was misunderstood. And so this is the question that came up. It says, where in the Bible does it say God wants ethnic cities? And this is a little thing that I talked about in the middle of it. So, okay. Uh, I agree we should scatter and spread God's word, but to say he wants ethnic cities sounds more like current day political correctness than biblical teaching. And so, again, I think I may have been misunderstood on that, and it's okay. I get misunderstood a lot, so it's okay with me. So I want to quickly just respond to that. Uh, I was going to do it as the goodies passed out, but apparently you wouldn't hear a word I said. So we're going to do this. Uh, you have to understand, God cares about all people, especially aliens and foreigners in the midst of those who are his people. All the way back in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, and 34, God says, when a stranger sojourns, this is an alien or a foreigner, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so God wants these strangers in the land to see who God is by how his people actually live. The New Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, is, is the picture of heaven, and a new song is being sung to Jesus, and it says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. And so what I said last week in context was I said God is multi-ethnic, multinational, multicultural, multiracial. Now what I meant by that, and I can see how it could be misunderstood if you didn't actually hear all I said, is that the one true God is not defined by any box that any culture tries to put him in. And that one of the reasons that we go out and that we scatter everywhere and spread God's name and fame is that heaven is a picture of a multi-ethnic city, is a picture of all tribes and nations and tongues together worshiping the one true God. It is one of the reasons why we scatter. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the idea of baptizing all people. Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Our community should be one that reflects the ideals of heaven. Multi-ethnic, multinational, multicultural, multiracial, that no one is less than anybody else. We are all in the same boat and that we are all wicked and our God is good and he has come and he has saved us. And that is the idea of what I was going at. That answered for you? You're right. Yeah. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I'm good. All right. So this morning we do have a treat for you. As most Father's Days, we have a special guest speaker. Uh, this is Donald. He, uh, one of our GC leaders. He's a good friend of mine. I love him dearly. He's actually one of the people I like hanging out with because he actually likes me and he talks to me and he really likes superheroes and comic books too. So uh, this is Donald. Ooh. Okay. So I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I do like speaking in front of people. I do, but this is the largest group I've ever had to speak in front of with this amount of time. I'm, I'm much better in smaller groups of like two, so 
just, just bear with me this morning and we'll see how things go. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, though, I'm going to give you a short version of my testimony. I've lived in Orchid all my life. I moved away for about a year and three months to this little city called Santa Maria before moving back into Orchid. I went to the same elementary school, junior high, and high school that my dad went to. Growing up, I was always a very moral person. Religion was never forced upon me, but in eighth grade, I started attending a youth group at a Lutheran church down the way. It was there that I began to learn about God and began to follow. I was a believer, but I did not surrender all my life to Jesus. After high school, I bounced around home Bible studies and churches, but never really found a home I felt called to. So I stopped going to Bible studies, never found a church, and read my Bible less and less. From there, I began to stray away from God and follow, serve my new God. And funny enough, his name was Donald. I began to live for me and what made me happy. In 2008, I met my future wife, Laura, and my future daughter, Faith, when she was eight months old. We began dating and attending Element, and together, Laura and I decided to make a change in both of us. God got a hold of me and turned my view around, and I started... And I started submitting myself to Jesus and focusing on Jesus. Now we are married, and Faith is a big sister to our little, little daughter, Felicity. God placed me in a place of redemption and gave me the strength to change my mind and attitude. And so today, I'm here to share his love with all of you. Before we begin, though, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Isn't it great being a dad? Isn't it? I, oh, I love being a dad. I think it's awesome. Well, today, fathers, this message is for you, so um, we'll see how this goes. Stands with me now for the reading of God's word. This is 1 Corinthians 7.3. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Pray with me. Dear God, thank you for being such an awesome father. Thank you for loving us like you do, and, and I pray that we as people, and especially we as fathers, we can, we can grow to be more like you and that we can change where we need to change and learn where we need to learn and, and be better when we need to be better in, in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, today's message is geared for the men today, not just the fathers and not just the husbands, but all the men this morning. Because if you're not a husband or father today, you'll most likely be a father or husband one day, or you'll at least know somebody who has kids and is married. Before I get into this message, though, I'd like to take some moment to look at some dumb things fathers do or say, or really dumb things men do or say in general. Number one, we put our dirty clothes on the floor right next to the hamper. Seriously, if the hampers here, our clothes end up here or here or over there. They never get in the hamper. Number two, we say things like, hold on, wait for commercial break or after the game. I just finished watching the Kings win the Stanley Cup. It was a good moment, wasn't it? And I, my focus was on that game, looking forward to the next game, looking forward to the next game, all the way to game six. It was great. That's where my focus. To be honest, the show that's on or the game that's on isn't the most important thing in our lives, just when it's on. Number three, I wasn't sleeping. I was watching that show. To be honest, we were asleep, but as soon as you pick up that remote and change that channel or turn off the TV, we wake up like that. It's just man instinct kicking in. Number four, wait till I get to a save point. Yeah. Come on, if you play video games like I do, you say that one a lot. And my personal favorite, which I'm very guilty of, number five, ask your mother. For some reason, we want to make all the decisions in the family, yet we defer all our children to their mother. Now let's look at a list of dumb things women do or wives do in general. Okay, I seem to have lost that list. I'll move on. 
Come on, I know better than that. Jeez. Okay, this morning I want to take some time, though, to look at a father biblically. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so looking at the life of Joseph, Mary's husband, stepfather to Jesus. Joseph is a man that is extremely important and at the same time somewhat absent from the Bible. There isn't a single quote from Joseph throughout the entire New Testament. This tells us that Joseph was most likely a quiet man, a man of few words. When he did say something, it was very direct and to the point. Though what Joseph said or didn't say isn't the important part. The important part is what kind of man Joseph was. Looking over scripture, we can see Joseph was a quiet man, unobtrusive man, available when needed and willing to endure hardship. These are traits all husbands should have. Maybe not so much the quiet part, but if that is the kind of man you are, there isn't a problem with that at all. We shouldn't throw our clothes on the ground. We should never put the show we're watching or the game that's on above our wives or children. There's a pause button on the remote and highlights you can watch later. And you can always start a video game from your last save point. We should answer our children and not defer them to our wives. We need to simply man up and give our kids an answer. How did Joseph get these traits? I'm going to do my best now to unpack this for you. Joseph had a pretty good life when you look at it. I mean, being a descendant of King David and Abraham is pretty rad to begin with. He finds his trait, a carpenter. We know this because Jesus is often referred to as the carpenter's son. Now, this is a good trait to have, being able to fix things. It's a skill I do not possess at all. I fix everything with one of two items, WD-40 and duct tape. If it doesn't move and it should, WD-40. If it moves and it shouldn't, duct tape. And a lot of people don't like duct tape because it leaves that sticky residue when you read it. You can actually get rid of that with some WD-40. It's true. I love that. Okay, seriously, if you walk into our house, you'll see this little coat rack hanging on the wall that I got my wife for Mother's Day, that the girls got their mom for Mother's Day. And if you were to take that off, you would see all the bad holes I drilled and used trying to get it level. I just kept moving it up to cover the holes. And I didn't even get it level. My wife did. Seriously, though, it took me over an hour to put together a high chair. And that was with instructions and help. When it comes to fixing things, I'm not the guy you want to call. Don't call me. Okay, back to Joseph. He learns his trait, a carpenter, and then is arranged in a marriage to marry. Their parents nicely arranged this marriage, most likely, though I don't know for sure because I wasn't there. Now, at this point in history, when someone is betrothed to someone, it is very much seen as a marriage. You're basically married without living together. Today, people have relationships like friends with benefits. This is the exact opposite of that. This is friends without benefits. Really, it's marriage without any benefits at all. At this time, when you're betrothed to someone, it is very much a marriage. Papers have already been signed. There hasn't been a wedding day or wedding night yet. And the relationship is treated like a marriage without the benefits. There is no backing out of a betrothal, like backing out of an engagement. If you want a separation, you have to get a divorce just as if you were married. Now, Joseph is arranged to spend the rest of his life with Mary. They are seen as married, and the wedding is right around the corner. They are not living together. They are not sleeping with each other. And he learns that Mary is pregnant. This had to be rough on Joseph. I mean, your future wife, this woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with, is pregnant. And you know that it's not your child. With the laws during this time, Joseph could have used the pregnancy against Mary. He could have told everyone that this woman he is betrothed to is pregnant and it is not his kid. 
By doing this, Joseph could have had the best revenge. She could have been stoned to death. He could have had her outcasted with the result of her most likely dying or going into prostitution. But he didn't. He didn't do any of that. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 119. We're going to spend a little time here. If you have the version app, you're already there because it's awesome. How did he react? Well, Joseph wasn't a man that sought revenge. Instead, he decided to divorce her quietly. He did this to protect her. Matthew 119, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was going to follow the law. He was going to divorce her as a way to protect her. This shows how much Joseph loved Mary. He wanted to protect her, to keep this woman he loved safe. He also knew that with God's law that he couldn't be with Mary and shouldn't be with Mary. And even though he loved her, he loved her enough to protect her, he still felt he had to do right by God's law. Joseph did all these things on his own accord, doing what he felt was best by God. Matthew one twenty through 21 goes on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this must have been a bit of a shock to Joseph. Step back a bit and put yourself in his shoes. Here he is, trying to do right by God's law, and an angel of the Lord shows up and basically says, hold up, stop, it's all good. This is probably the point where Joseph became a quiet man, most likely from shock. He just shut his mouth and listened to God's instructions. Let's fast forward nine months now to Jesus' birth. Now, here is Joseph holding the Son of God. I'll never forget that first time I held my daughter Felicity in my arms. In that moment, my whole world changed. It was no longer about me. Everything from then on was for my wife and my little girls. I remember looking at her eyes and telling her how much I loved her and how I would do anything to give her everything. I never believed in love at first sight. I always thought love had to be earned until I held my own daughter. Now, I believe that moms become moms the day they learn they are pregnant. Dads become dads the day they hold their first child. Could you imagine being in Joseph's shoes? There he is to be the stepfather to the son of God. Here he is holding God. He is meant to raise God. And there are no parenting books on how to do this, no how to take care of the Son of God, or God made you in his image and now you get to raise him, or even baby Jesus poops. There are no books, no advice anyone could give him. Joseph had to step up. He had to be a man. He had to be a father. How did he do it? How we all should. He trusted in God. He possessed faith and compassion. Joseph went through all the same hardships we go through every day, and yet he preserved. I'll break this down a bit. He trusted God. We don't always do this. No, we do what we want to do when we should be doing what God wants us to do. We decide what's best for us instead of trusting that God has already decided what's best for us. He understood that God's ways are not our ways. This is my biggest downfall. I'm I have a really bad 
habit of trying to understand why God does what he does. I'm the guy who likes an explanation for everything. And so when anything happens, good or bad, I try to figure out how it fits into God's plans, where the puzzle pieces go together. And the problem with this is that I never will. And most of the time, I just need to kick myself and remind myself of that fact. God's plan is so much greater than we could ever imagine. God says, trust me, and all things will work together for good. Joseph was able to grasp this very simple concept. He simply trusted God. Joseph also had what I consider, but don't always live up to, some amazing characteristics as a husband and father. He loved his wife. Joseph most likely loved Mary more than we can ever know. The simple thing, love your wife, is the best thing you could ever do for your children. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 famously reads, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Your children will learn from your actions. Love your wife. Put her first. So later your sons will love their spouse the same way, and by the grace of God, your daughters will seek a man that will love them as you loved your wife. I know in today's world there are single dads out there and a lot of single moms. There are children whose parents are divorced or never even married. To those of you out there, treat your other child's parent with respect. Treat them with kindness so your children see this. So your children learn to treat others with the same respect and kindness. If you're raising a child with the other parent not around or not in the picture, when the time is right, explain this to your child. Don't hide the truth. Be honest. When the time is right and they're at an age of understanding, sometimes it's just a little information at a time, you'll know what is right for your kids. Pray and trust that God will guide you to when the time and moments are right. Joseph also accepted this child as his own. As I mentioned earlier, when I met Faith, she was eight months old. Here's a photo of her. <laughs> While I have this moment, I'm totally allowed to show off all my family photos. Here's Felicity now. Our trip to Cabo. No, I'm kidding, of course. Okay. <laughs> back, back to Faith. Faith was eight months old, and I knew that if I was going to get in this relationship with Laura, that I had a very short amount of time to figure things out between us. No child deserves to have man after man coming in and out of their lives. So if this wasn't going to work out between us, I didn't want to find that out after becoming a father figure to this little girl. For the first few months of Laura and I dating, I spent very little time with Faith. My focus was 100% on Laura. After getting to know Laura, I started to get to know Faith and fell in love with her just as I did with her mother. After a year of dating, I asked Laura to marry me. And this is the point where I was no longer Daddy Donald to Faith, but now, or Donald to Faith, but now Daddy Donald. At our wedding, I said my vows to Laura, and then I said my vows to Faith.
Can you bring an M&M back with you all out? Okay. <laughs> now, at this point, I was no longer Daddy Donald, just Daddy. Joseph loved his wife, and he accepted this child as his own. Most important, though, above all this, he loved God. Joseph followed God's instruction and left everything behind and obeyed God. Joseph had faith and trust in the Lord. He put everything else behind and simply loved God and led his family with God's word. Now, is Joseph perfect? No, of course not. He was a husband after all. For that matter, was his wife Mary perfect? Yes. Yes, she was. No. Are your wives perfect? Don't answer that. Seriously, do not answer that. No, no, Joseph wasn't perfect. After all, him and Mary had other children, and their other children didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. I, I think this maybe kind of shows parenting skills a bit. Though, I think it also shows that Joseph didn't show favoritism between Jesus and his other children. Joseph was a man of few words. He simply loved God and did what he was supposed to do. Most important, he was a righteous man. Now, back to that first verse I read. I want to look at it one more time. This is 1 Corinthians 7.3. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. This verse does go on, though. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Wives, I have a real nice short and sweet list for you this morning. Number one, love Jesus. And with his grace, respect and encourage your husbands as they lead you in God's word. Number two, have sex with your husbands. Two nights. Not tomorrow, not the next day, two nights. Though tomorrow and the next day are okay, but two nights. Number three, don't nag. Instead, encourage. Encourage your husbands when they do right and encourage them to be better when they do wrong. However, looking back at this verse one more time, there is a reason it is written the way it is. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, the wife to her husband. Who goes first, the husband or the wife? The husband. The husband needs to step up and act first. Wives, if your husband leads your house in God's word, if your husband loves you, there is what you can do for them in return. Tonight. I'm also going to give one more suggestion. If your husband is a good, godly man who works hard to support your family and lead your family, give them a break. And encourage them to go out and do whatever it is their hobby is. Encourage them to go out and be a man with other men. Men, do the same. If your wives are following that list, give them a break. Encourage them to go out and have fellowship with other women. Or go out and get a mani-pedi or whatever it is they love. Give them a break to just get away and relax. And this is simple if you're married, guys. Here's your priority list. Number one, Jesus. Number two, your wife. Three, your children. Four, work, or however it is you provide for your family. And five, everything else. Hobbies, friends, family, video games. All these things are great, but never put them above supporting your family, being with your family, and Jesus. Remember, mission starts at home. In closing, I want to say this to the husbands. Stop. If you're putting your concentration on anything other than loving God, loving your wife, loving your children, and supporting your family, stop. Cut it out. Repent. Turn your lives around and look towards God because he is an awesome father and you should try to be like him. 
If your focus, if your sin is pornography, stop. If you lust or have impure thoughts about other women, stop. If you're putting yourself and your own fun above your wife and or kids, stop. If you think that the game is more important than your wife and family, stop. If you think going to the bar or being with your friends is more important than supporting your family, being with your wife and loving your children, stop. Turn to Jesus. Repent. Ask for his help. Because I promise you, he will help. You may not like it. It may not come in the form you want it to, but he will help. If you're not married here this morning, ask for Jesus to help to drop your sin and live on mission for him. If you're engaged in playing house, stop. Repent. Ask for Jesus' help to drop your sin. If you're married and things are great in your marriage, do not stop. Thank God. Thank God for your spouse and learn to live on mission together for him. And encourage others and pray for others that they can have a blessed marriage as you have. If you're married and things are rough or you're in a bad place in your marriage, turn to Jesus. Pray for his guidance and learn to live on mission for him. If you're a single mom here today, stop settling. It's too often moms are settling for the wrong men. Live on mission and only date the best godly men. Trust that God will bring the right man into you and your child's life. Look for a man like Joseph. If you're a single man here today, I encourage you to live a life like Joseph. Surrender everything to God and kick your sin out of your life. Trust in Jesus. Because for me, it took meeting my future wife and her daughter to put me in the position to finally repent. To turn to God and say, Lord, I've been screwing up my life. I've been doing things so wrong and now I have this little human that is going to be looking up to me and I need to change. I turned to Jesus with everything that was wrong with me. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit came into my life and set me back on track. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. I turned to Jesus a year before Laura and I got married. And with his help, I cut everything that was sinful out of my life cold turkey. Laura and I stopped sleeping together a year before our wedding. I started reading my Bible and started praying again. I stopped living the life I was living and put Jesus first. I loved this woman I was going to marry and led my future daughter. Jesus brought us to a place of redemption in our relationship, and he could do the same for every one of you. All you have to do is surrender. Do the same that Joseph did. Surrender to the will of God, and he will place you on a path he wants you to be upon. The band is going to come up now. And if you're a man here this morning, if you are sleeping around, living for yourself, putting everything else around you before God, or whatever your sin is, stop. Surrender to Jesus and trust him. For you men here today, there will also be fathers and other men in the back, and I'll be in the back also. And you can go back there and pray with them. If you want to pray with them and talk to them, they're there for you. And we'll give to the offering boxes on the side and in the back because God gave so much to us. It's the very least we can do. And while the band is playing, if you're a father here today, if you're a man here today, and you're here with your wife, your fiancé, your girlfriend, take their hand as a way to show them that you love them and worship together. We'll also come to communion where we break that cracker and dip it in the wine and the grape juice to, to remember all that Christ did for you and I. And if you're a husband here today and you're a father here today, I encourage you to lead your family to communion. And remember, mission starts at home. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, 
thank you so much for being such an awesome father. And, and thank you for being that, that perfect example of how we need to be as people and how we need to be as dads, as husbands. Thank you for everything you do for us and everything you've given to us and, and, and all your support, God. We, you know, we, we need your help and we need you to be that example and to send us examples of, of how to be more like you and how to love you. And, and, and please help us kick our sin out of our lives and whatever it is that we're doing that's not glorifying you. Teach us to get our priorities in order and, and, and teach us to be better when we make our mistakes. And God, remind us that when we do make mistakes, they're not who we are. They're simply the moment and that we can always be better for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.